Well, yes, I do have an education. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, this is going to be a little bit different. This is a bonus episode of the 48 Days of Radio Show today. I'm going to talk about one topic only, and that is education. What does it mean to be educated in today's world? If you've got children, you may want to gather them around and listen to this, because we're going to talk about some revolutionary ideas as it relates to schooling and education I've got a guest today. Her name is Laura Sandifer. She's author of the new book, Courage to Grow, and it absolutely blew my mind when I read it. Joanne has devoured it. We've given it to all of our children, passed it on to other people, are spreading the word because there's some ideas in here that are going to change how we view education. In chapter three of the new 48 Days to the Work You Love book, I titled that chapter, Yes, I Do Have an Education. I talk about some of my own experiences and some of the things that we've observed. Laura distinguishes between knowing and doing and being. I mean, filling our heads with facts and memorizing multiplication tables may not be a productive way of building skills that are going to lead to a lucrative job or be the basis for starting a profitable business. There's so many things that we have seen as part of education, which now you can pick up your phone and you can find the capital of the state of New Mexico, if you want to instantly without having to fill your brain with just memorizing that. In my own journey, I mean, I have been in a lot of traditional school. I love the process. So I've been through traditional masters and doctoral studies, but the things that really have value to me were the times when I was washing cars for the neighbors and getting paid for it or selling Christmas cards door to door as a six-year-old or having an RV rental business in California, selling used cars, having a health and fitness center, you know, writing a book and turning it into a business. I mean, those are the kind of things that have taught me the skills that have seemingly been the most valuable, not just the traditional parts of education that I have. When my own son, Kevin, when he was 17 years old, we allowed him to really before he officially graduated from high school, went to Boulder, Colorado, because he was training as a bicycle racer, then went on to Europe, lived in the Netherlands, and for two years raced on the Dutch national team as an independent bicycle racer. And people would say, gee, aren't you concerned that Kevin isn't in college? And I said, well, he may choose to go to college someday, but right now he's too busy getting an education. I mean, think about the value of traveling internationally, meeting with people and other ethnics, cultures, religions. I mean, how rich an education that is in doing, being engaged in real life as opposed to just sitting in a classroom somewhere. Well, with that being said, here's my interview. I know you're going to enjoy this. Here's my interview with Laura. Well, my guest today is Laura Sandifer, author of the new astounding book, Courage to Grow, and also founder of Acton Academy, which we'll be explaining more what that's all about. Laura, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's a real honor to be with you. Well, as you know, I was pretty blown away in reading your book, uh, having 
children and grandchildren of my own, and we've looked for creative ways to give them a robust education. And as you know well, education, when we use that term, it's changing dramatically as it needs to. But what was it that you and your husband, Jeff, were seeing in the normal schooling process that caused you to put in the massive effort to create a better solution? Well, it wasn't exactly what we saw. It's more of what we didn't see. So what we were seeing were things that we experienced when we went through traditional school, and it was kind of the same thing. And we noticed that the world was changing so rapidly. We thought our young children would need something that would also be a rapidly innovating model. What we saw in the schools around us was a real emphasis on learning to know, you know, that memorizing of facts and being tested over what you've memorized, and less of what we were doing at home, which was more of the learning to do and learning to be, you know, learning how to be fully human, how to be kind and problem-solving and creative. And we just wanted to create something that fed that curiosity and that learning to do and learning to be that we saw naturally coming out of our children. So we set out simply to start with a blank sheet of paper and design what we would call a dream school that we ourselves would want to go to, but that would Mm -hmm. really equip our young children for the 21st century. Wow. And we know that's changing the models that our schools were designed for to create workers who were content to work in a factory line or some mm-hmm. chemicals. When we see the workplace today, there's so many new opportunities that uh, that kind of preparation may not be bidding. Well, I love that you, you talk about your academy doesn't have teachers. It has guides. It doesn't have classrooms. Uh, you call it a studio. Um, you describe a very different upside-down power structure that gives control and decision-making to the students. I mean, tell us what that looks like. Well, I think the easiest way to tell you what that upside-down power structure looks like is to tell you a story. Um, so just a quick context for the story so you can picture what a studio look like. looks like. It's literally a big open room. Um, we have no grade levels. So it's our elementary studio is first grade through fifth graders, all mixed ages together in one big open space. And um, they get to choose their work that they're doing. They have chunks of work time. They get to decide if they're going to read or work on math or write. And in the afternoons, they collaborate on big projects projects. They make their own decisions around when to get a snack or when not to snack, but they're bound by a contract. And the contract is signed and hanging on the wall, and it's the rules that they wrote for each other to maintain a wonderful learning community. So, you know, it's the basic things like you know, be kind to others, respect your space and clean up after yourself, you know, the basic essential things, and that's their contract. So the story is... um, The studio was becoming very messy because people were bringing in microwave popcorn for their snacks. And as you know, microwave popcorn sometimes burns, and when it burns, it leaves a really bad smell. And when you eat it and you're holding this bag of warm, wonderful, buttery popcorn, other people want 
some of it. So the popcorn was becoming a big distraction during work time for the people who were sitting there eating it and crunching it and leaving a mess behind because it drops everywhere. So long story short, one of the guides emailed me and said, may I please email the parents and tell them we now have a rule not to bring in popcorn as a snack because it's so distracting and it causes such a mess. And, you know, my first inclination, the easy answer would be, yes, just email the parents, no more popcorn, and that solves that. But in my acting way, what I've taught myself and I'm still teaching myself is to pause and not give that knee-jerk reaction just to write a rule and tell the children what to do. I said, you know, let's just turn this back to them and ask them to solve this problem, because that's what we do at Acton. We do not make the rules ourselves. They're in charge of this. So our guide said, yep, I'll do that. Tomorrow's our town town hall meeting. So every week, the community sits in a circle, and an eagle, that's what we call it, the children, they're the eagles, um, (laughs) facilitates the discussion, and they bring up problems in the community, and they work together to solve them. So the problem came up about the popcorn. And I strolled through the studio later that afternoon, and I looked on the wall, and there was a popcorn committee, and the names were listed down, and they were drafting new rules for popcorn in the studio. So they solved their own problem. It seems minor because it's just popcorn, but that example happens on lots of levels all day long. It's adults choosing to step back and turn the decision-making back to the children because they're fully capable of solving their own problems. And what that does, it brings a a feeling of great respect within each person in that room. They know they'll be listened to. They know they have an opinion that matters, and they know that they can solve problems and that they're trusted is the big thing. So that's how we really turn things upside down. We just get out of the way. And one thing I should have mentioned at the very beginning when you asked what we weren't seeing in the schools around us, one of the big, or what we were seeing, but what I wasn't seeing was a real sense of purpose, a why behind everything. And I, this is so much of what you do with your work, and it's it's so integral to Act in Academy, but everyone knows why they're there. And this idea came before Jeff and I ever started the school, but a real belief that every human, every child is a genius and deserves to find a calling and change the world. And the purpose of being at Acton is to begin the journey to discover your genius, which is your innate gifts that you're born with, to discover those and through deliberate practice, hone your gifts in order to then meet a need in the world and solve a problem. And that's how we define finding a calling. So that sense of purpose is built into everything we do and also feeds how we're able to turn everything upside down and give it to the children because we do believe that they are capable. We believe they're heroes and they're on a journey to discover their greatest gifts. And that's what it's all about. You know, when you describe that, you know, I could envision a corporate setting where we have people who are in their mid-40s and we sit around and doing this. But when you're describing the popcorn situation as an example, you're talking about first through fifth graders again, correct? Correct. So we're talking about people who are uh, six to 10 years old, somewhere in that range. Mm -hmm. what What was the solution they came up with by themselves for the popcorn challenge? Okay, so 
you could there could only be one person at the microwave at a time and you could only microwave your popcorn for one minute and 30 seconds because it could burn if it was more than that. And you were only allowed to bring popcorn if you were at a certain freedom level. Now that, I don't mean to get too jargony about Acton, but you earn freedoms by the work that you do. The more goals you accomplish in your workday, the more freedoms you earn. So in order to have the privilege of bringing popcorn, you also had to be a hard worker and be at a certain freedom level. So that was, oh, and clean up after yourself. (laughs) Mm. And if you don't do those things, then you have to pay Eagle Bucks. So that's another layer. We have these layers of accountability built into their self-governing environment. Eagle Bucks are the currency. You earn bucks by doing work. You can buy special things like pencils with funny racers um, with your Eagle Bucks, or you can have Eagle Bucks taken away as a fine if you're being distracting, for example. So it lets them manage each other without an adult in the room saying, you know, eyes on me, everybody be quiet. They manage each other through this currency. And then the freedom levels define who's able to really move around a lot and sit with, you know, if they get the bean bags or if they get to snack in in a certain area and things like that, just some fun little privileges, but they earn those freedoms. Um, So those systems of accountability are built in and really let these people make their own rules and the popcorn thing worked out but if they if they didn't follow those rules they were fined eagle bucks is how it turned out and it and the problem kind of went away once a committee is formed <laughs> it seems to you know people just start figuring out that they need to pay attention to what's around them and it just it's a fun way for them to practice leadership mm-hmm. well again it, you know it sounds you know, so idealistic to expect that of children. And when we think about children too, I mean, some people would be terrified by the idea of turning over control to a classroom. When we think about a traditional classroom and how much time is spent on discipline and just keeping the kids orderly. So, and when you talk about an open classroom as you have, just kind of the old one-room schoolhouse model, and you have children who have widely varying ages and also widely varying personality styles. Now, do you have challenges with somebody who is just kind of a natural leader who became who becomes you know the top dog in the class? How do you how do you embrace the voice of those who may be more introverted, more quiet when it seems like it was such a natural setting for those who are just more in charge naturally to kind of control what happens? Yeah, that's a really great question and a lot of Uh, what we figure out is, or what we try to figure out within the community is the different learning styles and personalities of each eagle. And they themselves help us with that. We actually do um, a whole quest on on discovering yourself and your learning styles. They take a love language test. They take an introvert, extrovert test. So they're learning about themselves. And a lot of the learning is for some of the introverts to learn to find their voice. So there are so many different kinds of leadership that are possible in this kind of setting. It's being vocal, they learn pretty quickly, is not necessarily being a powerful leader. So just having a voice and being confident and being extroverted doesn't necessarily mean people will follow you. Sometimes the most quiet people are the best role models for 
how to sit in a Socratic discussion, for example, or how to focus on your work and find flow without distracting other people. So the introverts end up being powerful leaders in their own way, and they practice calling each other out on positive behaviors. And so they we call it at the end of the day, it's call outs, and they compliment their fellow travelers on their journey. We call the eagles also fellow travelers. They call each other out on things that they admired that they saw in that day. So there's all sorts of different kinds of behavior that a leader can have. And I think at Acton, they learn quickly that it's not just being vocal that gives you the power in this kind of community. My son's a good example. Um, Sam, if he, I believe if we had put him in a traditional school, he never would have found his voice. He, we were in a Montessori school before we created Acton Academy and he was young. He was, you know, he was only six when we started the school. And when he was four and five, he never said a word at school. And he just would fly under the radar enough where he never really had to say anything in a day. And it was after several months at Acton Academy, I started hearing his voice for the first time with really powerful, quiet, but very powerful things he was saying. And I thought this kind of environment is probably the only place he would have really found his own voice. And I've seen that with other children as well. They can be very, very quiet but they're very thoughtful and they are listened to because that's part of the rules of engagement in a Socratic setting is learning how to listen respectfully to each other and letting others speak who don't speak often. So they just mm -hmm. practice this every day. They have about two or three Socratic discussions. Um, and so they get lots and lots of practice from six years old all the way up. Now we have seniors. I'm so excited. We'll be graduating our first Eagles this year. Um, but they get so much practice just listening, but also responding concisely. They learn how to pick words and use them and agree and uh, disagree and disagree respectfully with each other. So I think that different kinds of learners um, get an opportunity to use their own style and their own strength, depending on the situation in, a, in any given day. Now, you've mentioned multiple times the Socratic method. I mean, in American education, typically it's somebody at the front of the room who is teaching. So it's a one-way conversation, teaching so that it increases knowledge. And I love the way that you uh, split earlier that uh, dichotomy between knowledge as opposed to being and doing. But in a Socratic environment, again, there I can envision you know these children engaging in rich conversations. Um, you talk about you use a term called freedom shock that some students might experience when they come into this environment where they have an opportunity to speak, to do things together that are is so unlike what they may have experienced in a previous educational environment. What does that freedom shock look like for some of the students that come in? Okay, so it's it's an, a really interesting thing to watch. Um, let's pretend who we're talking about has come into Acton Academy as a middle schooler. So up until this time, they've been told what to do and when to do it every school day, all day long. They really have never had to make decisions for themselves except how hard they would work. But they basically were told what to do. They walk into the Acton studio and they're not told what to do. 
they have to figure it out. Now, there's schedules posted everywhere, and there's maps on the wall. So if you looked around, you have everything you need in a day to figure out what you're supposed to do and how to do it, but you're just not told. So for some, there's two different things I've seen with this freedom shock, as we call it. One is it takes a couple of days And those children kind of wander around and look a little shell-shocked, like, why is no one telling me what to do? And they start just copying what people are doing, and they make their way through the day. And then they figure it out. You know, it just takes a couple days, and they get in the flow, and they figure out, oh, I need to start thinking for myself and making decisions and learning how to figure out what I'm supposed to do. The other kind of freedom shock I've seen is someone who's immediately thinks, oh, cool. No one's going to tell me what to do. I'm just going to goof off. I'm just going to bounce this ball over here. And, and they, the shock is no adult stops them. (laughs) The shock is it's actually one of their peers who suddenly will say, Hey, Hey man, that's not cool. We don't bounce the balls in the studio during work time. That's going to cost you an Eagle buck. And at that point, the shock has, you know, sunk in and it's like, oh, and that person never again looks around the room to see if an, if an adult is going to try to catch them doing something. They know that their accountability is built into the peers themselves. And so then they, they move forward. But it's, it's, a, it's this, two different things. One is testing boundaries to see if, you know, an adult is finally going to step in. And the other is simply kind of wandering around wondering what to do. But we don't believe that time is wasted. We think that transition is a really important psychological shift from being told what to do Mm -hmm. to being, number one, held accountable, but also having to be proactive and become a thinker and a decision maker on your own. So that's our basic educational philosophy. And I think this, actually, Jeff uses this at the Acton School of Business and in, in any business he's ever run, and I think it's applicable for parenting too, but the basic philosophy is having clear thinking leads to good decision-making, good decision-making leads to good habits, good habits lead to good character, and it's your character that determines your destiny. But it all starts with that clear thinking on a daily basis and learning how to make decisions little by little and day by day, and all of those add up to being your destiny, your calling. And so we we like to equip these young people, even at the age of six, how to make decisions. How do you weigh pros and cons? We, you know, we have charts you can make. We have a decision chain you can follow. But really being aware that every day your choices matter and your choices have consequences and you're not a victim, you're a hero. And that's, we use those words a lot. And the definition of hero that we use at Acton Academy is simply someone who stays in the game when things get hard and who picks themselves back up when they fail and who doesn't blame others, is able to say, I'm sorry, I take full responsibility and then move forward. A victim is someone who always has an excuse, doesn't step in to solve a problem. They probably wouldn't volunteer for the popcorn committee, for example, and just, you know, just doesn't take responsibility when things get hard and they don't go and they quit the game. You know, they, mm-hmm. they want to leave when it gets hard. Mm-hmm. So those those are the kinds of things I relate it back to that freedom shock. There's a lot going on in those moments of confusion and testing that we think are really valuable for long term, lifelong learning. Mm-hmm. Now, we, we typically think about 
a normal school classroom as really fitting well the student who's just kind of in the middle. It's a challenge for those who are at the very bottom or the very top. We can kind of split that in other ways as well. You know, those who conform easily and those who do not. But the children who do not fit well in that environment, what kind of criteria do you use to admit somebody to one of your Acton Academies? Are there children who are not permitted to come in or do you accept anybody whose parents um, obviously are making the decision to have them come? This is probably the hardest question that we face is um, who, who should we accept basically? We in the early years thought anybody and everybody, this is perfect for any child who's curious and wants to learn. Now we have learned it actually a lot of it is the parents, and it's parents who not just love curiosity and experiential learning, and it does look so fun and joyous when you walk through, but parents who are willing to step back and also uh, be like a Socratic guide at times and let a child struggle and let them fail and not swoop in to solve their problems. So we really, we really work hard with the parents beforehand to make sure they understand what the hero's journey means because it's not all, you know, kicks and giggles. There's a lot of really hard struggling that goes on. So we we want to be really upfront with parents about that. So that's one thing. As far as the child goes, I really do believe every child is built to learn. I mean, you look at your grandchildren and, you know, you're such an experienced parent. When you look back at a six-year-old and how full of curiosity they are and what natural learners they are, um, they want to work. They want to carry responsibility. So all that is good. But there are, there are children who... And this isn't necessarily a learning challenge situation. We do well with um, all this ADHD, ADD. That, that seems to not be an issue really for us in our environment because children can move around and make choices on the work they want to, how much time they want to spend on a particular piece of work. Um, and dyslexia, we have students with dyslexia, and if they get support outside of the studio on that issue, they work really well in our studios. But a child who is resistant... Um, to working ultimately would not be a fit for Acton Academy. And sometimes we don't figure that out until too late. So having drive and curiosity is natural, but there, Mm -hmm. but there are some people and I, you know, one of my most beloved Eagles, um, he was just having a hard time and, you know, everyone has a hard time at some point you plateau in your learning and because it's self-paced, there are times when you don't, you know, not everybody wants to get up and work every day and you take a break now and then. But this one particular young man just went months, frankly, without working. And so the time had come to have a discussion with him. Does he really want to be here? Because it means working. It means working hard to find your gifts. And you can't just sit here. It's not just a place to plop down every day. Um, This is a really intentional learning place. And he was so honest and so brave. And he said, you know, I am not ready. I don't want to work this hard. Mm. And we said, that's great. We love you. When you want to come back, come on back. But for now, um, 
we're just going to let you go somewhere else. And sure enough, it's been years now, and his family ended up moving out out of Austin, and he's thriving in his school. And he, his mom has contacted me to say, just so you know, he's he's on a hero's journey, and he's doing great. So, you know, it's not for everybody, and we don't have all the answers. And because we don't have one-on-one um detailed work with individual students. It's more peer work. If someone has a learning challenge that requires a professional one-on-one guide throughout the day, we're not really equipped for that. So, Mm -hmm. we never claim to be professionals who understand all of the different learning challenges. Mm -hmm. But we sure can work with anyone who's willing, who's curious and wants to learn and and learns to be kind. That's really all it takes. And if the parents let them make decisions and make mistakes, then we're a really good fit. Hmm. Now, one of the things that parents crave more than children are those good grades. Yes. How do you address that when your students all of a sudden are not getting grades? How do you uh, take care of the parents' fears that somehow their children are excelling or they're doing okay? Well, you're hitting on all the hard stuff because that's the <laughs> second hardest thing is dealing with parents with who aren't getting report cards. Mm-hmm. And we I my job title right now is chief encourager and my main job is to work with parents through fi- their own learning curve with this. The wonderful thing about Acton and with online learning and this is this was a magical surprise um that there's so much feedback, there's so much data with the online programs that a parent who really wanted to dig in and get lots of feedback on how their child is doing has the data at their fingertips. We just turn it over to the parents and let them figure it out. What we have made a commitment to is not coming between a child and their parent. We're pushing power to the children, but we're also pushing power to the parent saying, here's a portfolio of work. Here's all the data on the online programs. Come watch an exhibition and watch your child in a Socratic discussion or solve a big problem or have a booth at the children's business fair. And you tell us where you see growth in your child. So we have equipped the parents to use the tools we provide to decide for themselves where their children are, how their writing is improving, where they are in math, how much they know about civilization, how they can talk about biology. Um, and so it's a combination of things we provide that's so much richer and deeper than a report card. But I have to say, you know, it's hard to embrace new ideas and grasp on to something that you're not familiar with. And that that's the learning curve for parents. You just want to be told that your child is okay. Yes. You, you just want that. And so we just like to show them that their child is wonderful and that they can figure that out. Um, but that is, but that is a challenge and we continually try to refine our portfolios. We do have portfolio reviews where the Eagle and the guide will meet with parents and talk through the portfolio. And those are wonderful. We also do give standardized tests at the beginning at the end of every year. We want to make sure nothing's falling through the cracks because we fully claim that this is an experiment. And if we're missing anything, we want to know. Mm -hmm. So we give those tests and the surprise that we found is that 
because of these online programs and children working at their own pace, which basically means not being held back and being able to go fast, um, they're advancing on average three and a half grade levels in reading, writing, and math. In fact, we keep having to change which test we use because our children max out of this the standardized tests. But it just shows that that gives parents a sense of, okay, They've got the basics. When they're compared to their peers around the nation, they're fine. Now let's get on to the important stuff of seeing if they can resolve a conflict with a friend or if they can really muster up enough courage to get up and, and share their opinion piece in front of someone at an ex, you know, an audience at an exhibition. So parents do get used to these tools. And in fact, once you get used to it, it's very freeing because you don't depend on the school to tell you how your children are doing. Mm. You know, you just become a free parent who is able to just enjoy watching the growth happen. I have to say, though, it's it's not utopia. I mean, I, it's, I get so excited talking about it. But there's also, you know, learning is hard. And I think sometimes we forget how hard it is. We grow up and we leave school and we get a job and we go on our merry ways. But if we're not in a learning environment ourselves or we're not continually learning ourselves, we forget how hard children work every day and how grueling it can be when you make mistakes and you don't do well or you feel stuck and you can't figure something out. And so there's a struggle and in our community, we just embrace the struggle. And that's one thing I tried to share in my book, just the personal story of struggle in my own life and my own family. Because what I've come to realize is that Acton Academy is less of a school and really more of a human growth machine. Mm. And there's something for everyone, whether you have children or not, the idea that you're born with a gift and you're on a hero's journey to find your gift and use it to serve others. And if you're stuck in a job, that's okay because you can still do that or you can release yourself to follow your calling once you do the hard work of figuring out what that is and really listening. You know, it's an inward journey. So really listening to what you're learning inside of yourself. So we find the Acton model works for transforming families, the family unit, however you want to define that, but also for parents. I've had so many parents send me emails saying that they themselves have changed their lives and they're now doing something uh, that that gets their heart going. Yeah. So it's the hero's journey is just a powerful, powerful framework. Um, and it's the classic tale that has hit the human heart since the beginning of civilization, where we all yearn to do something with our lives, to do something important, and we're not satisfied unless we we do that. And we run and we hide because it's hard. We're going to face monsters. The monsters really within ourselves. But if we can face those monsters and face those dragons, that's where the gold is. Um, J- Joseph Campbell says something wonderful that we remind our eagles of very often, that the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. Mm. So when you're stuck, very often it means that you're afraid. You're afraid that you might fail or, you know, you're afraid you'll be embarrassed. But facing that is actually where you'll find real treasure when you get to the other side and you have confronted that ordeal and made it through and survived. You can look back and realize how you've changed. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm totally intrigued by this process of helping a child find their own unique 
gifts and talents rather than just having a system superimposed on them. And I see pictures on your site, Acton Academy, where children are using hand tools and have goggles on they're building things. You know, with my own children and grandchildren, we tried to teach them the principles of mathematics by having them, you know, sell poppy seed muffins at some of our live events here where they have the cost that went into that. They deduct the cost. They take out the actual revenue they got and they know the rest is profit or to learn physics through building a ramp for their bicycle, you know, understanding what the trajectory was going to be. But doing things like that seems to be such a natural way to teach children the basic skills that we expect them to learn in school, but rather than just knowing through doing. Now, in that light, Laura, you you mentioned that you're just now, with Acton being a fairly new model still, you're just now starting to have those who will graduate from high school. In doing so, some will choose to go to college, which kind of, uh, again, gets my attention, thinking they may find themselves going back into what seems to be a very restricted kind of model of learning, having come out of your school. That's one question I have, you know, how, how are they going to function in college? The other is, though, are you purposely preparing students to perhaps see opportunities that will never really be normal, to see solutions and opportunities that other children miss, and their daily work activities may be more creative, non-traditional, entrepreneurial? Yes. So... To answer those two questions, first first of all, the college question, um, yes, it's exciting. Our Eagles are getting accepted into college. And one, just yesterday, I got the notice that she was um, awarded a finalist as a National Merit Scholar. So I'm just excited for their achievements. And the our, we call our high school group Launchpad. So our Launchpadders just took a biology course, a college course, um, and took the CLEP test and just, they just rocked that test. They did great. And half of them got six hours of college credit, you know, in the bank and the others um, will take it again and do well. They missed by one or two points. And they're so excited by that because they realize they can learn in that very traditional way. Those courses, that course was really hard. They learned a year of biology in six weeks and, and passed the test. And that was exciting. What I love about how these Eagles will succeed in college will be much different than the way I succeeded in college. I picked a college. I went to Vanderbilt. I always loved school. I, you know, loved making A's. It was like, you know, I was just a very typical traditional student. And, but it it wasn't until late into my sophomore year, I figured out what to major in. And I still didn't know what I wanted to do. I just found a major that I liked. Well, what we do with during every year in their high school year at Acton Academy, they, they do a self- reflection process and the quest is called your next adventure and they're constantly honing what they want to do if they want to go to college why and where and they get their list of colleges down and they're seeking the best teachers in the field that they're most interested in and they'll go to a college basically as a tool to help them along their own path, that they have a goal even beyond college they're getting to. So they're not blindly going to college. They're going with a very specific goals and a very uh, honed plan for why they're choosing the college that they're choosing. Now, 
The other uh, spectrum is people at Acton Academy choosing not to go to college. And this has been interesting because we do have one of our graduating Eagles who is already doing so well in his chosen field, which is online gaming and technology, writing code. I don't even honestly know exactly what he's good at, but he's really, really good at it. Mm. And he'll, he'll, he has job offers. Um, he doesn't need college, and he knows that. that that's the bottom line. And that will, some, some eagles will find that path. Other eagles will need college for what they want to do. And my favorite part of our curriculum is starting the first year in middle school and every year through high school, they have an apprenticeship. They seek an apprenticeship. And the purpose of the apprenticeship is to try on as many different callings as possible and to have mentors and masters to work with in areas that you think you're really interested. So, for example, we have had eagles work at law firms, at bakeries, at veterinary clinics, at uh, car mechanic shop, at construction sites, on ranches for ranch management. And they each year they just they get to meet and work with someone in the community that they admire in a field that they're really interested in. And over time, not only do they learn how to write an email that gets answered, to do a phone interview, to do an on-site interview, and to do a job well that comes with recommendations and references for their portfolio, they're really learning what they're good at. My son Sam um, thought he wa- loves cars. I mean, that's his thing. And so when he worked in a car shop and he, he ended up um, continuing on with his apprenticeship and the mechanic would come over every Sunday and they rebuilt an old Mercedes. And then he realized it's not actually mechanical engineering he's interested in. Through some of the other quests they were doing, he realized it was organizational engineering, industrial engineering. He really likes the behavioral side of organizations too and wants to um, rebuild companies basically. So they're constantly thinking about their futures and trying to find the best resources, the best mentors to achieve what they will consider their calling in life. So yes, if they want to go to college, they can get accepted. I'm so relieved by that. (laughs) In the early days, people would ask us, you know, will these children get into college? And I, I couldn't say yes, because I didn't know. Now I know, and the answer is yes. So that's no problem. But will college be necessary? Not for everybody. I don't think so. I think it depends on the field they choose. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. <laughs> okay. I mean, I just, I mean, I, I just, uh, I mean, we were just, my wife and I just had lunch at a restaurant. It's a brand new restaurant. And the service was just atrocious. I mean, I just, I feel bad for a company that goes to the expense of opening a beautiful, beautiful new facility and opens the doors. And I just, I I have to envision what would an employee likely bring to the table just in something that simple to just simply be a waiter or waitress in a restaurant? How are they likely to approach that differently than just the person on the street that they obviously hired? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is such an easy answer to that question for me, and it's a commitment to excellence. That's the daily mantra at Acton, and the commitment to excellence is I'll do my best every time, and I'll do better the next day. So it's continual improvement and self-assessment on that. Was I 
Did I do my best? So the idea is you don't want to give anything less than your best for sure. So that the layer of excellence, I think, will be fundamental in, in any Acton Eagle who has a job. And I've seen that and talked to the people who hire them and they call back wanting more the next year because not only are they committed to excellence and trying their best at everything, they're also really hard workers. And that's the thing makes me sad to say this, but the truth is that's not necessarily common, being a hard worker. We think that hard work is a value that brings deep joy to life when you're doing work that you care about. Not working hard doesn't bring any joy. And so that's one of the principles is being not only kind, but working hard. So when an Acton Eagle goes to apply for an apprenticeship, for example, they are taught to say and and practice, they'll say, I'll do anything for you. I will sweep the floors. I will empty the trash. I will clean the toilets. I'll do anything and I'll do it excellently. So they are committed to working hard, to doing above and beyond what the job description is. And they just want to serve, frankly. That's what a calling is. It's serving others. So that's all connected in daily life at Acton Academy, a commitment to excellence, working hard, and helping others. And I think that's going to play out. I already see it playing out in jobs that they that they take just in apprenticeships. They're also very um, well-practiced in gratitude. So um, following up with thank you notes at every step of the way and after the apprenticeship, they're just that's just part of their practice is thanking people for the opportunity to work. Mm-hmm. And I just love I just love watching watching them experience that because it makes them very, very happy. Well, and it's gonna make the whole world happy. I know a lot of parents have been intrigued by listening to our conversation here. Laura, I wanna have just a couple other questions for you before we wrap it up. But not everybody has access to an Acton Academy. Um, A lot of people will want to after hearing this and reading your book, Courage to Grow. But tell us kind of what your vision is for Acton. I know there are new academies opening up pretty rapidly at this point, but what is your vision over the next couple years for what Acton is going to offer? Well, we envision more and more parents uh, starting their own Acton Academies. And we have a kit that makes that process simple, not easy, but simple. We also, so we see them becoming more and more accessible and they're a low cost alternative to private education. So part of the wonderful thing about a a learner driven community is we, we have zero bureaucracy and we don't have a lot of people. We don't have a lot of adults around because the whole point is not to. (laughs) And so the cost is actually lower than most private schools, but we want to drive it down to an amazing number. Right now we're at, and each Acton's a little bit different. So our numbers are just for our current Acton Academy in Austin, Texas. So each one, each local Acton is their own business and has their own um, tuition and financial model. But for ours, part of our personal model is to bring the cost of private education down to about $2,000 per year per student so that just about anyone could afford a private education. The key to that is really teaching children to learn how to learn. If they learn how to learn, they can learn anything and they can help each other. But we're working on that. So I foresee um, there's 60 plus Acton Academies um, 
today, and we have 5,000 applications in the funnel. Jeff and I are just basically overwhelmed. We had no idea (laughs) this idea would take off. I know. And so each day we're just reviewing these wonderful applications from parents all over the world. And we just want to release the model as much as we can to free children to find their calling and change the world. Oh my gosh, that, how exciting. That is amazing. And, and of course, the way you describe it, and somebody doesn't have to have a PhD as a parent, they have to have a heart to make this work, understand the vision, and just open the opportunity to allow the children to learn, as you so beautifully describe. Wow. Now, and they can get more information then about that by just going to the Acton Academy website, correct? That's correct. So that's what I just, you know, that's the easiest thing to do. And you can click around. There's videos to watch. There's great photos of the studio. And there's a a little box, you know, open my own Acton Academy you can click on. And it's a pretty easy process. And the only criteria, there's two criteria. Uh, one, that your own children would be in the school, and two, that you have some experience in running a big operation of some sort or a small business, so you have some basic operational experience, or that you have someone you could partner with to do that. Wow. Okay. And again, it's Acton, A-C-T-O-N, Academy, and that gives you a beautiful website with lots of visuals there about what children are doing. All right. So we've got that. And the other action point, you know, what would you recommend for parents listening today as their first step in opening their children up to the best education possible? Oh, it's so hard to just have one. I'm trying to narrow it down. But if (laughs) if I I were just on an island and didn't have an Acton Academy or didn't have any internet, I would look for a problem and ask my children to solve it. And oh and I think that parents can do that. Look, look for problems around the house <laughs> and ask the children to solve it and then celebrate what they do. Children seeing problems as opportunities is a great place to start. Of course, if you want to read my book, there's lots of other ideas. And I also have a blog um, that gives lots of ideas for what you can do at home. And it's just actinacademyparents.com. And that's just written for parents, how this plays out at home. Wow. That, that's a beautiful example to just have parents allow their children to confront a problem and come up with a solution. What a beautiful example of what the Acton model is all about. Well, Laura, it's been an absolute delight. Again, we want to encourage people to grab. We have been giving out copies of Courage to Grow as fast as we can to all these young couples we know who are just absolutely blown away by it, as I was when I read it originally. So Courage to Grow, they can pick that up anywhere, is the book. And again, actonacademy.com is the website to get you started there as well. Laura, thank you so much for taking the time. Your energy is contagious. Uh, Your ideas are just astounding. So thank you for sharing this time with us to encourage our listeners and new ways to approach this whole idea of education. Oh, thank you, Dan. You're the best. I love the work you're doing. Thank you so much. Absolutely.